Welcome to Voice for Choice podcast, the podcast that focuses on China issues with special attention to the Central and Eastern European perspective. I'm your host, Karanya Mechkova. Here to discuss the Taiwan election results is Michael Maza, senior director at the Project 2049 Institute and also a senior non-resident fellow at the Global Taiwan Institute. Hello and welcome. Hi, Kara. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to start on a lighter note. I noticed that your username on X is uh, Michael, quote, in a move likely to anger China, uh, Maza. You are clearly alluding to the wave of headlines and claims that we often see in the media in relation to events in Taiwan. Can you briefly explain for our listeners, why is this take so problematic and what are some of the other considerations that the media should keep in mind when reporting on Taiwan's political life? Right. Um, so, you know, as you note, that phrase in a move likely to anger China or, you know, uh, something similar uh, appears very frequently in news about um, Taiwan, about uh, policies that um, the United States or or others in Europe might take, um, which China would conceive as as opposed to its own interests. And the problem with its frequency is that uh, it, it doesn't take account of the way that China actually reacts in in fact. So sure, China may be annoyed at, at certain things that the United States and Taiwan do together, for example, uh, but its reaction is is typically limited to, depending on the issue, typically limited to rhetoric rather than, um, uh, you know, a- actual policy responses, which are punishing uh, in, in nature. Um, and so the use of that phrase or similar phrases buys into um, a Chinese narrative, a PRC narrative that that any steps that anybody takes, which are contrary to uh, Chinese interests or Chinese preferences, uh, risk raising tensions, creating problems, uh, when in point of fact, that's that's often not really the case. Indeed, the reactions uh, to the Taiwan elections uh, from Beijing have been relatively muted compared to the massive military incursions that we saw, for example, following U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to the island in August 2022. Um, were you surprised? Would, did you expect a stronger response or uh, is it in line with uh, what you were expecting? I think this is in line with what I was expecting. Um, the most significant response, arguably, uh, was the uh, the the um, was Nauru's decision to sever diplomatic relations with Ta- uh, with Taiwan and recognize the government in Beijing. Um, that happened on Monday, two days after the election. It was very clearly a response to the election result, uh, which which China had or- orchestrated. We saw something similar. After Tsai Ing-wen was elected in 2016, uh, I, I think the expectation over the next few months is is essentially more of uh, the same as far as the sort of the intensity and frequency of uh, attempts at military intimidation, economic coercion. I don't think we'll see a, a significant spike going into the inauguration, um, nor do I think we'll see a significant spike after William Lai's inauguration, which comes in May. Uh, because essentially uh, the lie election, uh, his victory is is a status quo when it comes to Taiwan. It's a continuation of the uh, political leadership that we've had in Taiwan since 2016. This isn't a fundamental break in any way. Um, so how do you expect Lai to manage the cross-strait relations moving forward? Do you think he will continue uh, the line of his predecessor? 
Yeah. So I I think we do expect Lie to continue, essentially continue the deciding win policies, the policies of the last eight years. Um, over the last eight years, uh, Tsang Wen emphasized uh, Taiwanese identity. She emphasized or embraced this idea that uh, Taiwan is already an independent country called the Republic of China. Um, it doesn't need to take any sort of steps to formalize that. Uh, that's essentially an assertion of the status quo that's existed for, for decades. Um, and uh, Vice President, um, now President-elect William Lai, has said repeatedly he intended to maintain um you know, maintain that approach to focus on stability, uh, not shaking the boat. That being said, um, there are concerns about the direction that President-elect Lai could go in because of comments he's made in the past. In particular, uh, people often point to a comment he made when he was a premier back in 2017 when he described himself as a pragmatic worker for Taiwan independence. Um, you know, th- those who... Uh, don't like lie. Those who are uh, of opposition parties emphasize the Taiwan independence part of that that remark. TPP uh, folks uh, emphasize the pragmatic aspect. You know, at, at this point, uh, there's not much reason to expect that um, lie is going to take significant actions to shake the boat. He's a different leader than Tsai Ing-wen, a different um, has a different personality, a different leadership style. Uh, that's going to result in a different um you know, some different decisions, but I'm not overly concerned that uh, problems in the cross-strait relationship over the next four years are going to be originating in Taipei. On Saturday, right after the election, President Biden said that the United States does not support the independence of Taiwan. How do you read that statement? I know it's not a change of policy, but why do you think it had to be set? Why was it a sign to reassure Beijing? Yeah, I, I I think it was. Um, my own view is that it it didn't need to be said. Um, silence would have been better than uh, than making that statement. Uh, but yes, it it doesn't reflect a change in U.S. policy. U.S. policy has long been that the United States does not support uh, Taiwan independence. Note that's different than saying the United States opposes independence. Subtle difference, but it is a difference. And I do think it was very much about. Um, trying to keep the U.S.-China relationship on an even keel. That has been a priority of the Biden administration over the last uh, year, essentially. Um, uh, from the Biden administration's perspective, there has been some progress there with a meeting uh, that uh, President Biden and Xi Jinping held uh, last year. And uh, again, th- this was an effort to uh, signal to Beijing that uh, the United States doesn't want to rock the boat um, and doesn't want Taiwan to rock the boat either. Mm-hmm. So what does Slice Victory mean for the future of Taiwan's relations with the U.S.? Um, I think for its relationship with the U.S., um, pro- provided that, uh, you know, my my expectation is proves to be correct, that, um, you know, uh, President-elect Lai is a responsible steward of, of cross-strait relations. Um, I think that the U.S.-Taiwan relationship will continue to kind of slowly, gradually mature in the way that it has over the eight, uh, the last eight plus years. Um, I would expect we'll we'll continue to see, in particular, a tightening of uh, security relations, um, and, and emphasis to uh, continue to assist Taiwan in defending itself, um, in deterring China. Uh, ideally, there will be opportunities uh, in the future. 
for an embrace of, of a free trade agreement or something like it. The roadblocks at this point are primarily, I, I, I would argue, um, domestic political roadblocks in the United States uh, rather than a problem in Taiwan. Um, that being said, the U.S. and Taiwan have ongoing economic dialogues and initiatives, and I, you know, I expect all these things to continue and, and again, hopefully to to deepen under a live presidency. Mm-hmm. That kind of answers my next question, uh, because the U.S. have uh, their own presidential election later this year. So I wanted to ask you if you anticipate any significant shifts uh, in the U.S. policy towards Taiwan based on the different election scenarios, or actually, yeah. for that matter, even with China. Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. So um, first of all, before we get to sort of possible election scenarios, I, I would say that for the, the remainder of this year, you have sort of dueling imperatives. Um, on the one hand, uh, the President Biden will um, want to keep U.S.-Taiwan, excuse me, U.S.-China relations in a sort of uh, a steady state, doesn't want a crisis in the relationship, a you know foreign crisis of that nature could potentially hurt him going into the election. Um, he also needs to be Uh, For domestic political purposes, he needs to look tough when it comes to the U.S. relationship with China. Whoever his opponent ends up being, um, they are going to hit the Biden administration on being insufficiently tough when it comes to uh, dealing with Xi Jinping and dealing with Beijing. And so um, President Biden will need to sort of thread that needle of looking tough without without causing tensions to spike in in a dangerous way. I think he's capable of doing that. you know, as of right now, it looks as if uh, Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee for president. Um, that's not a surefire thing, but it's it's very likely. It's you know, if I were a betting man, that's where I would put my my money. Um, and and frankly speaking, I, I really don't think we know what a second um, a, a second Donald Trump presidency's approach to China would be. Uh, that you know, the first time around, obviously there was. Uh, you know, a tough trade policy. There was a lot of tough rhetoric. President Trump, all, you know, also during his time in office, made comments suggesting that he sort of has a certain amount of of, of respect for Xi Jinping, um, uh, that he simply is interested in, um, you know, better economic relationship between the two. Uh, he made disparaging remarks when it comes to Taiwan and U.S.-Taiwan relations. But the Trump administration also did Plenty of things to deepen the U.S.-Taiwan relationship. So, uh, you know ha- how how he will come down on those issues. Um, I, I I don't even want to guess. Um, a lot will depend on you know who who his key advisors are, who the Secretary of State, Secretary Secretary of Defense, National Security Advisor are. And at this point, um, I think we we really don't have a good idea who those folks hmm. may be. Um, you know, if Biden wins in November. Um, assuming he he remains the nominee or is the nominee, which you know is all but assured, um, I think we'll see a, a continuation of his China policy from the last three years. As you mentioned uh, previously, uh, Nauru announced it would sever ties with Taiwan and establish diplomatic relations with Beijing. Um, so Taipei is dealing with a shrinking diplomatic recognition, clearly uh, has difficulty keeping up with Beijing's dollar diplomacy game. Do you think that Taiwan can compensate these diplomatic losses by expanding an official relations with like-minded countries that has it, as it has been doing very successfully? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, I, 
I, I don't think that the official relationships are entirely unimportant. I think that they do have value. Um, and I think that there is, um, I think that there are implications for cross-strait relations as that number of, you know, official uh, diplomatic allies shrinks. Um, but I do think Taiwan's unofficial partners are, you know, typically far more important. Um, uh, you know, of course, the United States um, is Taiwan's, you know, foremost uh, overseas partner. But, it, you know, it has relationships with um, Japan and Australia, uh, growing ties to to Europe. Um, uh, under Tsai Ing-wen over the last eight years, there's been a very successful attempt to deepen cultural and economic ties with countries in Southeast Asia and South Asia. I expect all that to continue. I expect those those efforts to intensify um, and and I do think that in strengthening those sorts of unofficial relationships, those can have um, uh, deterrent effects on Beijing in a way that Taiwan's official diplomatic relationships cannot, um, because they change Beijing's political calculus. When when the EU uh, or when EU member states uh, care more deeply about what happens to Taiwan because they are economically invested because of the shared values. Uh, that changes the way China thinks about this problem. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But if you were to entertain a hypothetical uh, scenario where Taiwan would lose all of its diplomatic allies, what would it mean, actually? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a great question. Um, you know, so I think the the reason I suggest that that could be dangerous um, is because if we reach a point where Taiwan has no formal diplomatic allies uh, that may strengthen arguments within Taiwan uh, for a um, uh, for formalizing Taiwanese independence in some way. Right. When uh, the Republic of China, which is, you know, uh, Taiwan's official name, when the Republic of China has, uh, again, no diplomatic allies, uh, you know, arguably no international legal personality, uh, you, you may make it easier again for um, uh, certain folks in Taiwan uh, to to make arguments for changing, uh, for, for, for bringing about something new, right? For uh, creating a Republic of Taiwan, for changing the constitution, for changing the country's, the country's name. Um, and that could cause a real crisis in cross-strait relations. I don't think that that's a foregone conclusion that that happens if you get to zero, but the risks go up. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. This was Voice for Choice. If you would like to know more about our work, please do visit our website at chinaobservers.eu. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. We hope you'll make the right choice and tune in for the next episode of Voice for Choice.